Good morning, Mission Vineyard. Welcome to our church. We're glad you're here this morning. If you would go ahead and make your way to the seats, we're going to get started with worship this morning. Uh, like I said, we're glad you're here worshiping with us at our church. Our mission here at Mission Vineyard is to invite Jesus, welcome Jesus into all of life. And so this morning, we're going to do that through worship, singing some songs together um, in praise of our God. We're going to uh, listen to the word and just be in community with one another. So if you would, if you feel comfortable, please stand with us as we get started with worship this morning. And we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. So in whatever way you feel comfortable, um, would you just pray with me? Heavenly Spirit, we ask that you would just come and fill this place. We ask that you would come and move in our hearts this morning. That you would help focus us on who you are and what you've done for us, Lord. We invite your presence and we, we invite you to do whatever you want to do this morning in us, Lord. And praise things in your name. Amen. Shout it out and lift up 
to this communion table. We have gluten-free crackers that you can dip in the juice, or we also have pre-packaged elements that you can take back to your seat if you prefer. Please come down uh, these side aisles right here, receive communion, and then return by the outside. And communion servers, if you would come now. When Jesus ate his last Passover with his disciples, they were celebrating the Father's great deliverance from slavery in Egypt. And even though the Passover had been celebrated the same for over a thousand years, during this particular celebration, Jesus reframed this ceremony using some of the elements of the Passover. Now, you remember the parable of the old and new wineskins from Mark 2. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. So Jesus brought us the new wine of the Spirit and gave us a new wineskin. He established a new wineskin for us, with bread and wine, because what he brought us and invites us into cannot be contained in the old wineskin of the old covenant. Our new wineskin of the new covenant gives us so much more than just deliverance. It gives us relationship. This is from Matthew 26. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for giving us a simple way to celebrate the new wineskin of the new covenant. Bless this meal, encourage us, and give us an encounter with you that will change everything. Amen.
Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. At this time, um, I'll lead you in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we have it up on the screen in English and in Spanish, so you can follow along. Um, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Eva and Ethan. So this is the time in our service where you take a quick pause and I give a few announcements. People can grab some extra coffee from the back if they want to. Um, but welcome. My name is Arlita, and I am so glad that you chose to worship with us today, whether in person or online. Uh, Sundays are a great like family reunion. Uh, people in this community live all over the city, um, and some people are visiting from out of state. Whatever the case may be, we're just thankful to have you here with us and worshiping together. Uh, just like I said, a couple quick announcements. If you're new, we hopefully got you one of our little white welcome bags. Um, has some information about the church as well as what we call a mana bag. And that is like something you can keep in your car. And as you're driving around the city and you encounter someone who may be in need, we often don't carry cash with us anymore. And so it's a way we can bless uh, people um, as we see them. Um, but let's have some practical needs like some snacks and socks and hand sanitizer, a little notepad, pen, stuff like that. So that's our gift to you. It's our posture towards people in the city as we want to welcome Jesus into all of life, regardless of where people are coming from. Um, in that card, uh, little bag as well, we have something called a Connect card. And that is for anybody, whether you're new or a uh, longtime attendee, if you have, want to share your email address, every week we send out a weekly newsletter with information that's going on in the church. And we don't spam you. We just send a quick little welcome email and then just kind of add you to that weekly newsletter so you know what's happening and a few of the things that are happening this week is this afternoon, we have our monthly worship small group. 
meeting at um, the former Fiesta building right down Broadway. Uh, that's from 3 to 5 p.m. It's a great time just to, if you have a heart for worship, and any, you don't have to have any skill, <laughs> just a heart for worship, um, they get together once a month and, and just spend that time together. That'll be this afternoon. And we have other small groups as well that meet online and in person throughout the city. We have a small group flyer on the back table if you want more information about that, or you can go to smallgroup.missionvineyard.org. Um, speaking of small groups, our youth, age uh, grades 6 through 12, um, meet occasionally after church for a Bible study and fellowship. Uh, our youth leaders are actually out of town this weekend, so instead, this coming Saturday, the 21st, Saturday night, we're going to have a youth party. We're going to have... Um, video games and Nerf gun fight and pizza and soda and probably more candy and desserts than we want to admit. And it's going to be a great time, and it's also going to be at the former Fiesta building. So if you have a youth, know a youth, want to invite a youth, you're more than welcome to come. Uh, again, it's, it's free. Just bring yourself. Be prepared with your goggles for the Nerf fight. Um, and speaking of Nerf fight, we had announced that this Fiesta building um, has actually been a gift to our church. And... Uh, they were loaning it to us for three months while they kind of worked out their lease agreements. And then they said, you know what? We're not ready yet. So you can have it for another three months. So next Sunday, we were going to have a pizza party and a move out party and an all church Nerf gun fight. So we're still gonna have an all church Nerf gun fight, but we don't have to move out of the building. So it's very exciting. It's a, we love the museum and it's great to be here. Um, and it's also nice to have a location where we can have other weekly meetups or small groups or trainings and things like that. And so it's a great like central location as opposed to coming to our house or anything like that. So we're really thankful that God has continued to bless us with this space and not only the museum, but also the former Fiesta building. We're really appreciative. And speaking of which, all of our tithes and offerings and people that they donate, like couches and chairs and things to use spaces like the Fiesta building, all of that is because God blesses us first in whatever capacity we have, we give back to him. And so I'm going to ask Justin and Jared just to come forward real quick, and we have a basket to pass. You can give in person or online, but part of our act of worship is giving back to God what he's given to us. And it's not the amount, it's not the what, it's our, part of, it's our posture of worship towards him. So I'm going to pray for this giving and the rest of our service. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord for all that you do, the good, the bad, uh, you're with us through it all. And Lord, I thank you for the blessing of being here in the museum, and I also thank you for the gift of the Fiesta building has been to our community the last three months, and I pray, Lord, for more over the next three months. That'll be a place where we can um, get to know one another better and be trained and equipped to share your good news with others and also to love and care for people um, through homeless outreach and other things like that, Lord. And so we just ask, Lord, that everything we give and do would be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And now I'm going to invite up Randall, our teaching pastor, who's going to give the sermon today. It's been a while for me to be here. I appreciate... Uh, the prayers and uh, the support of the church and the leadership the last uh, few months. Uh, some of you know, uh, perhaps some of you visitors do not know, uh, we had my mother in hospice care at home, and so we were taking care of her, and I'm going to use her as a little bit of an illustration today in the sermon, uh, but it was a, a great honor, but it was a pretty stressful and tiring event. Uh, my wife Kay and I were really glad we could do that for her. Uh, but she 
as, as she grew older, she had a harder and harder time, a more difficult time, in really trusting God for her future. She wanted to go to heaven so badly, but she cried every day when she woke up because she hadn't died and gone to heaven. And uh, it was a difficult time. Uh, if you were a people pleaser, which I'm a recovering people pleaser, not over that yet, uh, it was a pretty impossible thing. But it, it really opened up uh, a window for me, for God to work in my life uh, about trying to please people instead of trusting God. I said to her, many times, if you trust God for your eternity, how can you not trust him for now and his plan for you that you're still here? So it was, uh, that was the right thing to say, but it didn't help her. And uh, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm glad she is where she needs to be. Uh, I think she's finally happy. She is with a uh, loving father. And we're in a series uh, about, we're entitling it Rooted. Uh, subtitle is Created and Planted in God's Story and in His Church. And it began to make me think about my story with God, especially in that time with my mother. And there's a, a book in the Old Testament. I used to make a living uh, and have ministry as a seminary teacher, and I was an Old Testament uh, professor and a Hebrew and Aramaic professor uh, for all of you language nerds out there. Uh, but it was a great opportunity for me. I fell in love with the Old Testament early in my uh, own education. But there's one particular prophet that I, I want to share with you today. Uh, you may or may not know him. Uh, people pronounce it differently. Uh, the way I pronounce it is Habakkuk. Uh, Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets, but in no way is he a minor person. One of the things about the prophets that is so endearing to me, yes, they told us what God had to say. So many thus saith the Lord. But one of the magnificent pieces about the prophets is that they had to hear the word from God first in order to present it to those around them. So in many ways, these prophets, along with our title, are a part of God's story themselves. They're not just someone who is recounting the words that God told them. They're actually preaching what they're experiencing in many cases. And that's definitely true in the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk, um, I want to apologize, I didn't get John the slides with the blanks filled in. I just gave him the blanks. So he said, well, I can't put that up on the screen. That won't help. So, so anyway, just confession there. Maybe I'm out of practice or maybe I just don't know what I'm doing. So you guys can decide. But anyway, one of the things about Habakkuk that's always grabbed me, and especially here lately, is he really talks about when things get really tough, God's people have to learn to live by faith. The text that we hear many times, the most single quoted verse out of the Old Testament and the New Testament is from Habakkuk. Chapter 2, 4. The just 
will live or shall live by faith. It's quoted three times in the New Testament. And so it's, it's an important part of that book. But my experience in my reading Habakkuk, and I want to share this with you today, is because it's a process of learning how to live by faith. First of all, I mean, we're not just in and of ourselves. We're only just or righteous because God makes us that way, because he's paid the price for us. In many ways, a word better than, because it's hard for me to say, yes, I'm just, alone. He's waiting to see. He just knows at any minute. Uh, maybe his eyes play tricks on him. Is, is that smoke? Are they, are they coming? You know, so he's rather apprehensive, I would imagine. He's watching and waiting, but he's also got time by himself to reflect on what's going on, but also to reflect about his own life. I've done a lot of reflecting lately with my mom. And so it's, it's amazing. Sometimes we do everything we can to avoid reflecting on where we are in our walk with the Lord. Maybe Habakkuk was like that. He sang songs. He was in part of the, the worship in the temple. But sometimes that can be a job and not really a passion or relationship with the Lord himself. So here he is just before this fall and days uh, are important here because God at the end through Jeremiah, Habakkuk, a prophet named Nahum, another prophet named Zephaniah, even the book of Jonah. Jonah lived earlier than that, but we kind of think that the book itself was written for these people at this time. Jonah's story about being able to go to the nations and make a difference for God was part of this venue as well, perhaps. And so, but it's important when we put all these prophets together that God is making a concerted effort to speak to his people and to prepare them for what's ahead for them. Because what's ahead for them is they're going to go into exile in Babylon, the ones that survive, and they're going to be there for 70 years in a foreign land. If you'd think with me just for a moment back in Genesis 12 when God called Abraham, he was Abram at that time, he said that I will bless you and make you a blessing to all the nations. And so the uh, calling of Israel was to go to the nations. But when we read the Old Testament, the, the Israelites are always afraid of all the Gentiles. They don't want them. They have word after word about what's wrong with them. And they're not doing what God's called them to do to go to the nations. Well, exile seems like punishment, doesn't it? I'm going to lose my home. I'm going to lose everything that I've got. But I called you to go to the nations. So if you won't go, I'm going to send you. And so a part of this exile is not just punishment. I have called you to do something. And you like it or not, I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to do it in you. I'm going to do it through you. You are going to fulfill the blessing that I have given to you. So that's a tough way for God to do that. But there's a part of fulfillment in doing what God's created us for. And so Habakkuk is, is going with all of this. I'm sure he's thinking about quite a bit of this as well. And uh, as he is thinking, he's going to start questioning God. 
I love him. Jeremiah is the best whiner in the Old Testament. Uh, probably a third of his big, huge book. It's actually the longest prophetic book. Isaiah has more chapters, but Jeremiah has more words and more verses. So he was a blabbermouth, but about 25, 30% of his words are complaining to God that he, something's wrong. People don't like me. They won't listen to me. And so I call him Whiner Sr. Now Habakkuk, though, is Whiner Jr. It's interesting, just before they go into exile, but just before they began to experience God transforming them into what he's called them to be, he's got a Whiner Sr. and a Whiner Jr., but thank God for the whiners, especially, just a secret, if you're going to whine, whine to God. Nobody else cares. But whine to God, and whine effectively to God, okay? And, and so, you know, it, it's, 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 sometimes that's all we can do. My mom was whining to God. I was whining to God about my mom's whining to God. So I, I, I re relate here with the whining, okay? But anyway, with them, they, they began to question God. Now, I love the message here for verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 4 of uh, Habakkuk. Uh, let me just read it here. I don't, oh, I do have it. Hey, all right, John, what a miracle man. In tough times, anyone whose heart is empty will succumb. But the person in right standing before God through loyal and steady faith is fully alive, and notice this, really alive. It's not about just being completely alive. The just shall live by faith is sort of that low, uh, briefer verse, but the message talks about it in a way that puts it in the middle of these tough times that Habakkuk is spending. So first of all, as we talk today I don't know all of you. I've been gone a little bit, and some of you I did know. I probably don't remember your name. I, ha I actually forgot my wife's name this morning, but that's why she's not. No, that's not why she's not here. But anyway, at my age, I forget lots of things. But the point is, many of us have tough times. And many times we keep quiet about those things, to one another anyway. And we find ourselves alone in those tough times. And so when I read this passage in the message, it tells me that he is here, part of his story, God's story in Habakkuk is when we experience tough times, what we need to be or what we can be doing. So this is not a you have to, you should, but you can, okay? And so as we go into this, Here's what I would like to say. Your first fill in the blank at the top of it, if, you're, if you care about this. Some people don't listen to the sermon. They just want to make sure. I've had people come after the sermon and say, I missed the blanks, so can you tell me the blanks? That's all I really care about. So God calls us, even when we do not understand, to live by faith. Now let me give you the context for how Habakkuk, uh, when the going gets tough here. And so he's rooted in this story. Uh, that we have uh, here. Let's take a look at Habakkuk and his testimony, his story. First of all, in uh, uh, Habakkuk 1-2, this is uh, Habakkuk's first whine, if you will. It's really sort of a question, but I prefer whining at this point, if you don't mind. 
This is why I call him a whiner. He goes, God, how long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? Again, that sounds a little bit like my mom. How long do I have to ask you to take me to heaven? Until you'll do it. In other words, how long, oh God, do I get you to do what I want you to do? That's kind of the way I read that. How long do I have to cry out for help before you listen? How many times do I have to yell, help, murder, or police? Obviously, the message is a bit of a paraphrase. Uh, Before you come to the rescue. And then, I'll get to how God responds in just a minute. His second is in chapter 1, verses 12 to 13. God, you're from eternity, aren't you? Holy God, we aren't going to die, are we? God, you chose Babylonians for your judgment work. Rock-solid God, you gave them the job of discipline. But you can't be serious. You can't condone evil. So why don't you do something about this? Why are you silent now? This outrage. Evil men swallow up the righteous and you stand around and watch. Now that's some pretty serious whining, isn't it? Talking to God. Now his questions there, his attitude even may surprise us. And I I guess the question, is it really okay to question God? Won't that get us into trouble? In fact, Habakkuk in verse 1 of chapter 2, after he does all of this, he says, I'll stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I'll keep watch to see what he will speak and how I may reply when I'm reproved. After it came out of his mouth, he's thinking, oh my God. Now what's going to happen to me? I think I've overstepped. He's going to send a lightning bolt and kill me right here and now. I am doomed. But if we learn how to live by faith, what I want you to put up here in this number one question, ask questions. And it's all right to pray in that way. Because especially when we're in circumstances that we don't understand, and they seem to contradict what we know and believe about God, that's the time to ask Him about it. He's offered Himself. He's up on this watchtower. These are circumstances He did not create Himself, but God is in the midst of transforming Him in the midst of these kinds of situations. So God is His refuge. God is the only hope He has But God is engaging him even at this moment. And so he thinks he's going to get it. Uh, I put in the wrong place. You see in box two in your thing at the very bottom. This should be at the bottom of number one here. Authentic questions are great opportunities to learn from God. Even if it sounds like whining. Even if it sounds like you don't understand who God is. There's no way any of us can get our mind completely around God. He's too much bigger than we are. His plans are greater than our plans. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But that doesn't mean we can't go to Him with our problems. That doesn't mean that when we're struggling and the just are going to live by faith, well, we're going to see how God responds to Habakkuk's questions here. So let me move over there pretty quickly to that. 
Here's God's first answer to Habakkuk. Remember what it was. God, how long do I cry out to you before you listen? So God said, look among the nations. Observe. Be astonished. These are commands. Take a look. Wonder what in the world is going on. Because I am doing something in your days you would not believe if I told you. Or if you were told. In other words... I get it. You don't get what's going on. Well, you're going to have to trust me. I'm doing something in your day, uh, and you need, when you look at it, I want you to be astonished. I want you to wonder, because I'm doing something in your days. And I'm doing something that, frankly, you may not believe it, because you won't understand it. So you're going to have to make a decision here about trusting me. And so then Jonah, uh, Jonah, I got him on my mind, I guess. Uh, Habakkuk comes back with his other question. God, how can you let the Babylonians be the one? They're, they're the most evil people in the world. Uh, maybe we're not so good, but we're a lot better than they are. So how can you tolerate using bad people to correct us, your people? How can you do that? And so here's God's answer in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 2. Write this vision. Make it clear on tablets that anyone can read it quickly. The vision will still happen at the appointed time. It hurries toward its goal. It won't be a lie. If it's delayed, wait for it. It will certainly happen. It won't be late. So God's got a plan Things are in action, and he's doing something. He's already said, I guess basically I can't explain it to you because you're not going to understand it if I tell you anyway. But you're going to have to trust me. And this is where that verse, the just live by faith. He's basically saying, Habakkuk, you're going to have to trust me whether you understand it or not. Whether you feel like it or not. Now, it's okay to be honest with God. But God's going to be honest back. And sometimes what he says is, you're just going to have to trust me. You're just going to have to believe me. But I don't think that Habakkuk is teaching us here that that's just a switch that you click on. I think through our lives, through the challenges of our lives, through the tough times that we may or may not be experiencing, God is in the midst of teaching us to learn to live by faith. I think it's a process. It's been a process in my life. It's been a process here. And so he asks us to listen here, is this blank. Always listen to what God says. Many of us, our prayer time is just talking to God. But how many times do you get through talking and you don't just say amen and therefore I finish my prayer? God wants to talk to you. God wants to reach to you. He is a person. He cares for you. He's not just some dispassioned deity in the sky like the Greeks and the Romans had. He is one who has taken the form of a man, Jesus Christ, and lived among us and died for us that we might have a relationship with him. And so just like his disciples, Jesus' disciples, they followed him. They talked to him. He told them things that were over their heads. And it didn't make sense many times to them. 
but they learned from him. And once he was gone and he empowered them to reach the world, within a generation there were over 5 million Christians in the world, we think, in the Roman Empire. By the time that first generation of disciples, probably including Paul, were finished with their lives. So God empowered them, but God taught them to learn to live by faith. Because many times they were being killed in the Roman Colosseums, etc. So when God taught Habakkuk a couple of things here uh, about faith that I need, we need for tough times. One of these is to pay attention to God. Now maybe that's scripture. I've had God give me some impressions. I've never heard the voice of God talking in my ear. I've had a couple of thoughts sear across my brain at one time. And I realized, where in the world did that come from? Now, maybe it was my imagination, you can, but I took it seriously, and I followed what I thought God was saying to me, and God changed the situation, and he changed me in the middle of that. So, it's okay as God's saying, pay attention to what I'm saying, wonder what's going on, but I'm doing something, and sometimes we wouldn't believe it if he told us what it is. So pay attention, wonder what's going on, but wait for God to act. Now we think about waiting many times. This is one of my Old Testament boogaboos. You're just going to listen to an Old Testament professor for a second. Waiting is not, I'm here, God. Where are you? You know, I'm waiting for you. When are you going to get here? Waiting in the Old Testament is like a lady in waiting is to a king or queen. Waiting is like a waitstaff at your restaurant. You wait on God, you're waiting on Him. You're serving Him. And waiting is a part of hope. But hope is not wishing on a star. It's not Jiminy Cricket time. It is expecting. It is anticipating that God is going to do something. And we're waiting. Here am I, God. Send me. Here I am. Speak to me. So like Samuel, when he heard God's voice, he said, Lord, here am I. Speak to your servant. So Habakkuk is showing us that when he talks to God, God talks to him. And it doesn't matter that he's got his words all nice and impresses God with his vernacular. You know, he's not a seminary trained preacher. He's just telling it like it is. This is how I feel, God. And God responds to him. So wait for God to act and trust God to act. Uh, but notice what this uh, word that I, I gave you at the beginning uh, here about uh, chapter 2 verses, uh, verses 4. Uh, all the way back to in tough times, anyone whose heart is empty will succumb. But the person in right standing before God through loyal and steady faith is fully alive. And then notice how this is added. Really alive. It's not just staying alive. It's becoming more and more alive. And so it's not only about survival. It's about God transforming us and making us even more. So tough times in God's hands are some of the best times that we have in our life. Now, I'm not telling you that you ought to just enjoy it, 
But what I'm saying when you're in the middle of tough times, it's important to look for what God is doing in that time for you, not just to you. It's okay to whine about what's happening to you. But take that whining and listen to God tell you what He's doing in you, for you, through you. It's the way He works in our lives. And so the final one here, you never thought I'd get there, I know. I'm an Old Testament guy. You know, the Old Testament is just long, right? It's what, do you, what do you expect? But listen and learn from God is sort of this ultimate. So it's more than survival in tough times. It's the key to really living. Now, our usual thought when we're in tough times, mine, because I, I did, and my mom. So I'm sorry to use her from the grave, but mom, love you. But anyway, she was just wanting to get through the tough times. When we get in tough times, we just want through it. I'm going to hold my breath and run through it. Or I'm just going to hunker down and just keep my eyes closed and do nothing until they're over. But what does Habakkuk do here? Look at uh, chapter 3. These are the last verses of his book. I hear and in my place I tremble. Apparently the Babylonians now with their horns and their trumpets and all he hears them coming. I must wait quietly for the people to arise who will invade us. Though the fig tree should no longer blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, basically what he's just described there is everything they grow and everything that they eat is going to be destroyed. So the stock market's crashed, sort of like now. Uh, the stock market's crashed. The businesses are gone. Nobody has anything to eat. But notice this. Yet. Now this is out of Habakkuk's mouth. This is Weiner Jr. Yet I will exult in the Lord. Do you know, we don't use the word exult a lot in English, do we? It's not the same as exalt. That's to lift something up. Exalt, uh, I know it's sort of basketball into the professional basketball. I played a little basketball through high school. And exalt is your team is behind. You've been trailing the whole game. You got it within two points. And the other team has just made that two points. And under the basket, you've got a second and a half, maybe two seconds to get the ball in. So you Throw it to a guy that heaves it the length of the, the basketball court and the buzzer goes off and the, bas and the ball goes through the hoop and you win by one point. The pandemonium that occurs on the floor of the basketball arena is incredible. People are making fools out of themselves. They're laughing. They're jumping. They're tearing their clothes off. or Well, maybe that's not good. But they're going nuts. They're exulting. It's... it's Victory snatched from the jaws of defeat. I see all this. It's coming. It's coming and, and I don't understand it still. But I believe that the Lord will cause me to exult. I will rejoice in the Lord God or the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk on my high places. Let me 
unpack that just a little bit. I know we're getting short here on time. But he says here, even in his fear, even in his trembling, Habakkuk, through his questions and listening and learning to live by faith, gets this. This is what he's learned in the midst of his stuff. His faith orients him. As he sees these people coming to destroy probably him, ironically, when the Babylonians take Jerusalem, they don't destroy everyone like they usually do. This is the only time we know of that Nebuchadnezzar didn't just burn the place to the ground, didn't kill every person in the town. Those who were in leadership, a lot of the priests, possibly Habakkuk, people like Ezekiel, Daniel, were taken into exile into Babylon. So it's possible that Habakkuk didn't die, that God took him in exile to another land. But he says his faith here is orienting. I will exult and rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to celebrate this unexpected victory somehow, some way in the Lord. And his faith also reminds him here of the strength of the Lord. Literally, the word strength here in Hebrew, it just, again, I'm a language nerd, I'm sorry. But it is, it's a word for a tent pole. And the way they made the tent poles in the ancient Near East, they'd have skins, etc. And the tent pole was just one in the middle that made sort of like a teepee. Then they'd stretch everything. So the strength that he's talking about is a strength that holds you up. The strength that covers you up. That gives you protection. So the Lord is that kind of strength to me. I, I can't make this on my own. He's the only one that can. And so he's the one that even props me up here. His faith equips him. Now, this is a little funky little thing here. He's, uh, makes my, uh, he has made my feet like hind's feet. The hind, a deer, maybe an ibex, is an animal that lives in Israel, the Middle East. And they have hooves that are sort of felt in a way that allows them to climb on very precipitous rocks. And their enemy are mountain lions. The enemies of the ibex or the uh, the uh, the hind is mountain lions. So the way they escape, they go up higher and higher on these little peaks. And as if I envision this peak like this, and the ibex has got his, all of his paws there. And then the mountain lion can't get up that high. If he, he gets up that high, he'll slip off and he might die. Well, now I read this in a book. I haven't seen this. But that the hinds, when they get in that position, then they start baiting the lion. And so finally the lion gets so unnerved, he jumps at the hind and falls off. Either busts a bone or kills himself or something. So he's seeing himself, okay, the enemy's coming at me, but somehow, you know, God is going to rescue me in a way that I can't even imagine. So he's equipping him like that. But also, as he says here, he makes me walk on my high places. In the ancient world, even in Israel, high places were seen as places that put you closer to God. Now, many times those were false gods in idol worship. But all of the high places, even when Israel first enters the land, and even the temple is built on a mountain, Mount Moriah, where Abraham uh, offered Isaac to die. And so also there's a double meaning here about high places. It's a high place where it brings me 
closer to God. And so what Habakkuk is saying here, in tough times we've got to learn to live by faith. And in our weakness, he will make us even stronger. This is the really living that uh, the uh, message tells us in that, that uh, verse, the, the just will live by faith in tough times. Not only will we really live, we'll be really alive in the Lord. And we want to pray close today. We're going to have an opportunity for you to get prayer today. I'm going to read a couple of things here. We have a group that prays for us. Uh, they are pretty good at hitting what we're looking at for here. It's amazing what the two words that are here um, that they prayed about. I don't know. I don't think they knew what the sermon was about. The first word here, and this is people have been praying for you before the service. And they have a couple of words for you, and we'll pray in just a minute. But in the first word, hope that has been charred, he gives beauty for ashes. If you've been charred, if your hope has been charred or dashed, he gives beauty for ashes. And the second word to maybe all of you, one of you, the Lord speaks, listen carefully. I should have just read that and not preached the sermon, shouldn't I? <laughs> Couldn't do that. But seriously, God is at work here. We want to invite our worship group up and they're going to be playing and we'll have worship uh, prayer teams here that we'd love for you to take advantage of and uh, we will close the meeting after that but we're going to stand now or you can stay seated however you're comfortable and we'll just have a time of uh, prayer and opportunity for God to uh, move if anything that you've heard today or uh, through my whinings you heard God anyway then please respond to that. And so we appreciate your being here today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for a word like the word you gave to Habakkuk, that you embraced him in a way that he could exult in the midst of difficulty, that he could have hope in you, that he could be transformed, that he'd find a nearness to you that he had never found before because of his circumstances. So, Lord, just help us to learn to live in faith of you, to trust you more, to expect more, to listen to you more, not just talk to you, but listen to you, to hope in you, and to be able to trust you enough to give you our lives again and again. So, Lord, make us all Habakkuk this morning. Embrace everyone here today in a special way, in the way that lets them know that you know they're there, that you have a plan for them, that you love them, and that you want to be their Lord if they're not yet your servant. But if they are, let them know that you are there and that you have, you're working to transform their circumstances that they might really, really live. So we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Worship team, uh, the prayer teams are over there, so avail yourself.
close the service and get the kids. Lord, thank you again for your word. Thank you for your embrace of each of us. And those of us who know you, I pray that even in our tough times, that you would teach us to learn to trust you, to pay attention to you, to expect and anticipate from you uh, more than we can even imagine. Lord, if we are here and we do not know you, do not have that relationship with you, the relationship we'd like, we just pray that, Lord, you would allow us to approach you and tell you how sorry we are for our lives and ask for your forgiveness. And thank you for what Jesus has done that we might come into a relationship with you. So, Lord, we just offer all that we have to you today. And as we've just sung, Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for first loving us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.